Sorry, I'm likely seriously bright at work. Can't believe I made it this far. No limitations. Never promised them all. Made a lot to my dogs. Gotta know I'm grateful. We all living. I just made a lot of hard numbers. Sound honest. Rich everything, stocks to the cash. Uh huh. Kip everything, socks to the mask. I was selling eggs before I met Ronnie Fang. <laughs> Not the ones you scramble, the ones that make life a gamble. Yeah. Weather breaking, jails let a couple of the goons home. They only give you your flowers on top of your tombstone. But that's only if you lace mine down. I figure, fuck it, I'ma take mine now. Turn up soon as they wind down. We was way beyond poor, now we stepping out drift, and I made Leon door. King Known Uncensored. We got new music Fridays. The Queen of England. Let's get it, man. Oh, shit. So. Police has come out. Because I guess Beyonce uh, sampled her on her album. That we will be discussing shortly. Um, Khalees has come out and felt like Beyonce owed her an explanation for sampling her. Because, you know, they know each other. Obviously, you know, when Khalees was messing with Nas and Nas is on Def Jam. I guess that's how their relationship. Maybe, maybe they've known each other longer since then. But they've definitely rubbed elbows in the same circles before. But she, she feels like for the love of the game, she should have reached out and talked to her. But what Khalees doesn't understand is you can sample whoever you want just as long as you get the clearance to sample. And the person that she had to clear for the sample was Pharrell Williams. Because I guess she interpolated a milkshake on her album. But Khalees is a, has an attitude about it because she feels like Pharrell does things like this intentionally because of whatever they had happened in their relationship souring over the years due to the fact that Khalees didn't sign a good record deal. But that's on her. Most of the things that Khalees has done in this industry and in her life was on her. I personally think that Beyonce doesn't owe her anything. I think she should be happy that she's being sampled. Now, however, though, she could be unhappy because she doesn't get paid off what she, she doesn't get paid for what Beyonce sampled. Maybe that could play a part as to why she feels that way. Because of how 
her publishing was set up. Maybe that could be the reason why she feels the way that she feels. But me, but as far as I'm concerned, Beyonce doesn't necessarily owe her an explanation for that. Then you got people saying like, Beyonce stealing Khaleesi's swag. Come on, man. Y'all got to relax on that one. <laughs> when somebody on the level of Beyonce just... I don't know. I don't think she would swagger Jack Khaleesi's style, though. But then again, it could be true, though. Khaleesi definitely made a lane, but I don't think they make the same kind of music nor present themselves the same. I think these, these are just two different artists. But... Her problem really is definitely with Pharrell, whatever it is, whether he owes her money. I mean, she feels like Beyonce is contradicting, you know, female empowerment because she didn't contact her when she really doesn't have to. Now, the Detroit Pistons are bringing back the teal uniforms. Man, those teal uniforms used to be the shit. I love those jerseys. Those were the days of Grant Hill and Joe Dumars and Lindsey Hunter, Bison Dele, Terry Mills. You know what I'm saying? Now, our guys are going to rock the teal colors. I mean, we've been begging for it. We definitely, as Piston fans, wanted the teal uniforms back. It's people still wearing those jerseys to this day. The Jerry Stackhouse, Grant Hill thing. You know? And I love it. I love the idea. I definitely want, you know, it's a reason why I haven't gotten the Cade Cunningham jersey yet. It's because I've been waiting on that um, teal uniform to come out to get one. Did Mace lowball Fabio Foreign in his record deal? Because he's still technically signed to Mace. And what other, ma ma what other uh, major label distributes him, right? Because, you know, there's an interview that Fabio Foran did that said that Mace paid him $5,000 up front and Fabio Foran just signed. And a lot of people came out and, and, and talked shit about Mace for preaching artist empowerment and paying their artists the right way with Puff. You know, he was talking shit about that, but you give him Fabio $5,000 who is a hot current artist right now but mace clapped back and detailed what exactly does mace own in fabio he doesn't own fabio foreign's publishing he didn't sign him to a 360 deal he originally gave him twenty-five thousand to split with his management team and he booked fabio foreign for a bunch of shows that he did not show up to So he had to recoup some of that money back from them for missing the shows. And then Mace ended up just giving him five grand. So that was good that Mace came out and uh, explained that. Uh, Miami Heat are talking a John Collins trade. I mean, they did talk one, but nothing came about. 
As far as I'm concerned, though, I don't see why Atlanta should move John Collins now. They have a pretty good team down there. They need more bodies. And John Collins is finally 100% healthy this year. I mean, they could use him this season to take some pressure off of Trey and some pressure off of DeJounte Murray. They have one of the better starting fives in basketball. So I don't see a reason as to why um, I mean, I understand why the Heat want Collins because they want another guy up front with um, Adebayo. And that would be a pretty good front court if they made that happen, actually. But in my opinion, I don't see how this benefits Atlanta, depending on the package that they get back for Collins. Podcast is back in the news once again. Good old podcast. Good old podcast, Draymond Green. This man came out and said he wants an extension. He wants $140 million. (laughs) I understand you wanting what you're worth. But did you see how bad he played in the finals? Let's pull up. Let's pull up his uh, playoff numbers, man. Let's see if Draymond did enough in the playoffs this year to garner him a contract extension. And he also said that he's willing to go elsewhere for that multi-million-dollar contract that he's seeking. Let's pull up those playoff numbers. He averaged eight points, a whopping eight points per game, six assists, seven rebounds, shot 64% from the free throw line. Shot 48% from the field, 21% from three in the playoffs. You're telling me that that is somebody averaging eight points a game is worthy of $144 million. This this is what he's seeking. This is what he's saying he wants. Good old podcast. Let's check those regular season numbers. He only played 46 games, by the way. He averaged seven and a half points per game, seven assists, seven rebounds. Shot 53% from the field, 30% from three. Not too bad of a regular season, but is that worthy of $144 million? I say no. He wants an extension. Of course, he wants to stay on Golden State, but he says he's willing to, to seek other teams. Look, man, bye-bye, Birdie, if I'm Golden State. Yes, Draymond Green has NBA level talent. We get that. 
but 144 million dollars. Come on, dog. You gotta think realistically, bro. He's looking for like a super max deal, like five years, 144. Nah, bro. Humble thyself. Maybe, maybe three years and 60 million. Maybe that for being loyal. But a hundred million dollars? What you think they kidnapped? Chelsea Clinton? Chelsea Carter? Come on, dog. Come on, podcast. Stop playing, dog. This nigga, man. This nigga say some wild shit every day. All right. Now I got... And then there's a reason why... Colin Sexton's value has went down all of a sudden. It was a reason why Cleveland gave him a low ball offer. I mean, I guess he tore his Achilles last year, but he was having an excellent year up until that point. And then Cleveland wants him to come off the bench to prove that you're worthy of the money. Now, I do understand protecting your investment. I get that. But to, I would have just gave him like a high qualifying offer for maybe 15 to 20 million next year or something. Because Colin Sexton is a bucket. And I'm surprised these other teams. I mean, he's only 23, 24 years old. He's got a lot left in the tank. I'm sure he's been rehabbing and practicing. But that's not the reason. I mean, Zion just got all that money. I understand he got clauses put in his contract. But Zion got all that money and didn't step on the court last year. At least... Colin Sexton played many games last year. At least he was still averaging around 20 a game before he got hurt. Like, this is a guy who was going bucket for bucket with Kyrie Irving, for crying out loud. This man is at least worth five years and $80 million. I mean, Cleveland wants him to come back and come off the bench and take a low ball offer. Yeah, he should definitely be done with those guys. They don't see the value in him. If he goes back to Cleveland, it's because he's desperate. Now, I'm going to give my opinion, right? Question is, are these guys getting traded this year? Let's play a game of crystal ball is Kevin Durant going to be traded this year you know what I'm gonna think outside the box and I'm gonna shock y'all with this answer if I'm playing a game of crystal ball right I'm gonna say no not this season Because the Nets offers for Kevin Durant have obviously been on some what the fuck shit. And and teams are actually thinking the way that I'm thinking. Like, do I want this 35-year-old superstar who hasn't played a full season in four years 
I want somebody that's a lot more reliable? And do I want somebody on my team that is capable? You got to think. Boston offering Jalen Brown, that blew my mind. If he does get traded, would I be surprised? No, because he demanded it. But if I'm going by my predictions, I'm going to say not this year. I mean, this dude is locked into a four-year, $132 million contract also. So you're not only going to get KD, you're going to get the four years, $132 million that you have to pay them too. This is exactly why... Um, teams are hesitant to uh, make an offer or a deal for him. But I'm going to say no. Kyrie Irving, is he going to get traded this year? Again, I'm probably going to say no. I could see Kyrie Irving being a Laker next year, like signing straight up with them. But him getting traded, no. I mean, he wants to remain in Brooklyn, though. From the reports that I've heard, he wants to stay in Brooklyn. I don't know about signing an extension with them, but I could see uh, the Lakers being a candidate during Kyrie's free agency next year. Will John Collins be traded this year? I'ma say yes. I think at the trade deadline he might be moved because they've been trying to trade this dude for the longest. And my suggestion is if you don't really want him there, just pull the trigger. Fuck it. Even though I feel they should keep him. Donovan Mitchell, will he be traded this season? I'd be surprised if he was traded, but I'm going to say no. I feel like Utah's offers are way too extreme for him. New York's going to have to come with a counter offer. Those are the leaders to get him. I think Charlotte has the best package that they can put together for a Donovan Mitchell right now. Fuck it, blow the team up, nigga. Will Buddy Hield be traded this year? I actually think he will. I think he'll become a Los Angeles Laker this year. By the trade deadline. But how they're going to get him is something that I have no idea. But I do think that Buddy Hield will be traded. If not to the Lakers, definitely for somebody else. Miles Turner. I think he'll be traded. I think they I, I think Miles Turner wants to win a championship. So I'm pretty sure they'll make a deal for him. Bohan Bogdanovich. Wow. I don't know, folks. That's a very hard one to answer. I'd say yes, because there's a lot of teams that are calling about him. 
And there are a lot of teams that can use his services. Plenty of teams. Jalen Brown. I mean, I'm going to say no. I don't think Boston is stupid, man. What if Brooklyn would have accepted the terms with Jalen Brown and Derek White and multiple first-round picks and Robert Williams for KD? Do you think Boston would pull the trigger or would they fall back? These are questions that needed to be an- that need to be answered. All right, the moment that y'all been waiting for. We got the Beyonce Renaissance uh, album review. We're going to get into it, man. Does Beyonce deliver a classic album with this new release? Now, there has been speculation once um, Break My Soul was released as a single. Will this album sound like 16 Break My Souls? Well, it's about six or seven of them, that's for sure. But however, this album was a lot better than I expected. I didn't think the album would be this good, to be completely honest. Not gonna lie to y'all. Let's break out into it, man. And then I could also see that since Drake was one of the writers of one of the songs and shit, um, I could see how he got the inspiration for Honestly Nevermind. I wouldn't be surprised if he was inspired by it or completely stole the idea and put it out first to, to prove that he thought of the idea first. Then then you're going to have people saying, oh, Beyonce copied Drake, when it was really the other way around. And I can just tell that, honestly, Nevermind was rushed. And he just did that project like in three, four days instead of like two, three, four months. But let's get into I'm That Girl. Um, I like that shit. It's definitely got hints of Afro beat. Mike Dean on the production. Okay, Mike Dean and five other guys. S1. Not bad. Not a bad team. And of course, Dream Writing. Like, Beyonce and The Dream are a hell of a duo. A nice little songwriting team right there. I must say. Because I'm That Girl was definitely well written. Cozy continues into the more Afrobeat style. Um, I enjoyed Cozy. I really did. Mike Deed also produced on this. Damn, this nigga is going crazy this year. Alien Superstar. I did not like this song. I think it's probably my least favorite song. I'm just not feeling the vibe of it. Ha, Jay-Z's a, a writer on here. Interesting. It's a lot of writers on this song. God damn. Y'all niggas was just throwing a bar here, a bar there. How does this shit work? But Alien Superstar, I was not feeling that shit. Like, not one bit.
fire. Fire. Definitely one of the better songs on the album. I mean, man. I love the vibe of Cuff It. Energy. Even though I feel like energy was just way too short. Did anybody else feel that way? That uh, energy featuring Beam was too short? I think this is the song that Khalees is pissed off about because you still see Pharrell and Chad's name attached to this. Because I thought that they did production, but it was Skrillex and Beam that did the production on here. But definitely was feeling energy. I wish it just could have been a little bit longer. Break My Soul. I like the song. It isn't anything amazing. Definitely sounds like 90s house. But I don't hate Break My Soul, though. I don't hate it. It's one of those songs where you either like it or you, you hate it a lot. You either like it a lot or hate it a lot. I'm actually one of those one percenters that's in the middle. It's not her best song. It won't be as memorable as her other music. But it's still a good song. Definitely worthy of being a single. Not the first single, but a single nonetheless. Now, this is what should be a single. This is by far the best song on the, on the project, which is Church Girl. I mean, Church Girl is going to have the clubs going up. And I got the concept as soon as, like, I got, like, to the hook of the first verse. I was like, oh, I get it. Church girls got a lot of freak in them. You know, I may carry myself like a church girl, but I can still bust that shit open. I get it. I got the pro I, I got the uh, concept. And I like when I can attach to a concept and enjoy it. Because, ooh, we people going to be shaking that ass to that, to that church girl. And I love it when they when the girls be shaking their ass. Plastic off the sofa. The homie Sid wrote on this. That's dope. I love me some Sid. Plastic off the sofa sounds like a 2000s R&B ballad. I love this song, guys. This is really a dope-ass song. Virgo's Groove, that's probably my second favorite song on here. Man, this vibe. album is Beyonce bought her vocals with her. Like, niggas are, niggas are gonna be, be coming into my shit in my inbox or texting me like, Beyonce always had pipes. Like, nigga, I know, but I'm talking about just this project alone. Like, her vocals are a lot better than I've seen in quite a while. Vocally, she's in tip-top shape. Move Featuring Grace Jones and Tim's, 
not too big of a fan of this record. It's kind of corny. It's kind of one of those songs that belongs on a movie soundtrack, more so than an album. I mean, I get the concept of it, but I wasn't too big of a fan of this record. Heated. Um, this is the song that Drake wrote. Um, it's okay. That's all I can say. It's just okay. Thick. Beyonce and Dream. Once again, baby, ladies and gentlemen. Great songwriting. Great songwriting. You know, Beyonce is like half-ass rapping, half-ass singing. Got Lil Ju and Hit Boy producing the same song. That's crazy. Beyonce, Lil Ju, Hit Boy, then the dream with the pen. Can't lose with that combination, man. You can't lose with that. All up in your mind. Um, I actually like this one too. It's kind of like laid back, but it's coming at you. It's one of those songs that gets better the longer you hear it. America has a problem. Huh, another song that Dream and Jay-Z wrote on. Not necessarily a fan of this, this track right here. I don't care for it. Now, Pure and Honey. Now, Pure was fire. Honey is okay. Just okay. But Pure is fucking dope. I noticed Raphael Sadiq wrote on a couple of songs on here. So Beyonce got a nice crew of heavy hitters for this album. It's probably why it's so good. Summer Renaissance. This is a great closer right here. Great closer. All in all, I enjoyed the Renaissance album. I definitely enjoyed it. moniker you know I mean me personally I think Rolling Papers 2 is his best project but a lot of people are going to disagree 
which is fine because Only Nigga in First Class was a dope-ass album. Kind of underrated, in my opinion. All the rest of his albums are up and down. This is his seventh album. Now, it starts off with Big Daddy Wiz, and I love this track. It samples Positive K, I Got a Man, which is one of the more underrated hip-hop songs in, in hip-hop history, in my opinion. I love that sample. I like the beat. Definitely my favorite song on the album. MVP pretty much continues that vibe. MVP is fire. Memory Lane, which was done by Hitmaker and Bankroll. Pretty dope track. I like Memory Lane. A Thousand Women. This is an overdone concept. I understand that Wiz is trying to show that he's matured as an artist. And, you know, I used to have a hundred bitches. Now I got one. You know, I've heard it. I've been there and done. I've heard that before. You know, I think it's a little bit more of a creative way to um, to talk about that. I think it was just basic and generic to me. Like You Groove 3, that's like an interlude, but it's, it's cool. It's okay. It's just okay. Something Real with Scott Storch on the production. Um... Another song that's just okay. High Maintenance is one of those songs that starts off slow, but it picks up and it gets better and better as you listen to it. We don't go out to nightclubs anymore, slash Candlelight Girl. We don't go out to nightclubs anymore. I think this is unnecessary. I think this song is just completely unnecessary. That's just my thoughts because it's like they waste two minutes of an introduction when this just should have been an interlude for about one minute. You spend two minutes and 21 seconds. Then you you make the track like eight minutes long. And for what? I think this was a, a waste of a good vibe because the track, the, the second track, Candlelight Girl, did have good vibes. Like from here on, you kind of wanted the album to end. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't like We're Not Even. Now, homies, I love homies. Homies is definitely my favorite song. Well, my second favorite song on this project because he details all the people that have passed on. It's a really good track, though. Mirror Love, not really a big fan of this song. Badass Bitches, I mean, why not have a twerk song? Fuck it. We'll do a twerk song, ladies and gentlemen. Because it's a lot of love songs on here. But Badass Bitches is just that the song that comes on in the club that the girls shake their ass to. I'm cool with that song. Even though it's basic and it's simple. 
iced out necklace. Woo! Wiz Khalifa was spitting on here, boy. His lines, his bars. Like, if you're looking for bars on this album, Iced Out Necklace is the one. That's another favorite of mine. Iced Out Necklace. Definitely spitting on here. Keys fucking hated this song. Not a drill record. Damn, everybody using these drill beats. Trying to hop on the trend. Was not a fan of Keys whatsoever. Go Yard Bags featuring they. This shit should have been longer. I like this vibe, but it, they played it off like it was a one-minute interlude. When it wasn't categorized as an interlude. Nobody knows. Don't care for this song that much at all. Thank him. I mean, everybody got a dedication song to the Most High. This shit was cool. Not upset at this. All in all, I was heavily disappointed in this album because he's coming off of Rolling Papers too. You would think that he would tread in the right direction. Now, he does have some good songs on here. Like, I mean, Big Daddy Wiz, MVP, Memory Lane, Homies. Badass Bitches, Iced Out Necklace. Those are the dope-ass songs that are on here. But the rest of it is average to mediocre. Wiz Khalifa has not been known for making dope-ass albums. He can make a dope-ass mixtape. He can make an EP. But when it comes down to those commercial albums, he's never necessarily has succeeded in his cult fan base's graces. And I'm a fan of Wiz. He does make good music. But he's not really consistent like that. You don't put Wiz Khalifa in rap list. Like among the best rappers. Because he isn't among the best rappers. He's not a top 100 rapper to me. You know, he was in an era where mixtapes were very essential. And once the mixtape era died down... You know, he kind of died with it, unfortunately. But that doesn't take away his creativity, his songwriting ability, and his ability to make catchy songs. But all in all, I mean, Wiz is becoming a thing of the past. Musically. But he's always good for a few bangers. Alright, that's my show. This is New Music Fridays, the Queen of England, and I'm out.